Well, we have many celebrations in life, don't we? But there's probably nothing we celebrate more or more seriously than we do the Lord's Supper. This is one of the most important celebrations we'll ever have. Many of us just came through the weekend celebrating Thanksgiving. And if you're like me, you had turkey, dressing, green beans, and cherry fluff. And you had that on Thursday, and you had that on Friday, and you had that on Saturday. And you'll probably have it today. But Thanksgiving is one of my, uh, my son's favorite, uh, David, his favorite holiday. We all have different holidays. Did I just cut off? I'm back on. No, I'm not. The, uh, hello. I'm going for a uh, microphone over here. Yellow. Oh, wait a minute. Am I, should I do yellow? I should do yellow. Yes. Yeah. So I guess we'll cut this one. There. How, how's that? Is that better? Whoa. All right. Now, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah, holiday. Great holiday. We just love Now, everybody has their favorite holidays. Now, I know y'all are a bunch of religious folks here, and y'all get, you know, if I was to say, what's your favorite holiday? I know everybody would say Easter and Christmas. So where does, non-religious holidays. How many of y'all's favorite holiday is, for example, your birthday? Raise your hand. Your birthday is your favorite holiday. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about, let's see, uh, Independence Day. That's your favorite holiday. Arbor Day? I got one. Your wedding anniversary. I thought, I thought we had a lot smarter men than we have in this group here. <laughs> the truth is we have these holidays and we celebrate them because they're important to us. And the Lord's Supper is truly a celebration. It means a lot of things, and we're going to discuss that this morning. But one of the things it is, is a celebration. Like birthdays are for us or maybe used to be for us. I mean, if you've seen my grandkids at a birthday party, it doesn't matter whose it is, they are going to celebrate. You had better blow out the candles quick because they will be right in there blowing them out for you. And they will open the gifts for you. And they celebrate birthdays. I love to celebrate birthdays. We celebrate. That's a big deal at my house. We celebrate all our kids' birthdays. We have them. And I just love remembering, you know, that special day, you know, when they were born. You remember the day your kids were born? I remember every one of mine. Jennifer was born. She, oh, she was beautiful. Beautiful. Nothing. I, when she was in the nursery, I remember telling my mom, I said, is she not the most beautiful baby in this nursery? And I meant it. I wasn't being facetious. I thought all the other babies were ugly. I thought she was beautiful. God got me back, and then he gave me Michael. Michael was ugly. What can I say? He came through the womb, and it, you could have landed a plane on that boy's forehead. It was all back here. And then I had Sarah. She was just uh, as cute as could be, but she was the smallest one. She was a little dot with two big old long arms and two legs. We called her Spider Monkey. David was born. We called him the Beast. Almost no arms, no legs, just a big old square. And then Kevin was born. And I, the thing I remember about Kevin, I was the first one to get to hold him. I got to actually cut the, uh, what's that thing called? Umbilical cord. That's right. I got to cut the umbilical cord and hold him. I also remember that was because that was the one that Karen had the epidural on, which was amazing. Epidurals are amazing. I mean, uh, 
Mrs. Allen, you've just had a son. And it's like, okay, one second, I've got to finish this last nail. I'm... All the other four we had, Lamaze, was his French for the agony. So, uh, but those were special days. We celebrated them. They were wonderful times. We celebrate their birthdays because we love our kids. We come to the Lord's Supper. It's a celebration because we love him. We celebrate what he's done for us. In fact, it's the most important thing that's ever been done for us. The Lord's Supper goes by a number of names. Uh, it's known as a celebration, but it's also known as communion, breaking of bread, Eucharist. The Eucharist comes from the Greek word uh, Eucharisteo, from the giving of thanks, which comes from when Jesus actually had the Lord's Supper. It said he gave thanks. In fact, that's what the early Christians called uh, what we call the Lord's Supper today, that was the name most frequently used by early Christians was the Eucharist. But when we come to this time, I really think it is important that we understand the meaning of the Lord's Supper. That we truly understand why we do this and how we do this properly. So let's take a look. What is the meaning of the Lord's Supper? Well, the first thing that we see is that it is a memorial, I, similar to like the, your wedding anniversary. I mean, if, if you're married and you have an anniversary, you look back that time when those vows were made at the altar and you committed to your spouse, you committed your love to that spouse for a lifetime. And you memorialize that day in the anniversary that you have every single year. Well, the same thing with the Lord's Supper. We memorialize what he has done for us. In 1 Corinthians, it speaks to us about that in chapter 11, verses 23 through 25, where it says, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. And now, get this, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus wants us to remember, to remember what he did. When he had that last supper, the Lord's Supper, he met with his disciples. He was saying, this is not going to be a one-time thing. This is something I want you to repeat. And I want you to remember what I did for you. Jesus gave us the bread and the cup to help us remember. The bread, the bread reminds us of his body, which was broken for us. Jesus is amazing actually became flesh. And the Gospel of John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, the Son of God, became human flesh, took on a human body like you and I have. He thirsted. He hungered. He grew tired. He slept. He cried, he wept, he was tempted and always just like us, yet he was without sin, but he took upon him human flesh so that he became 
a high priest for us that could sympathize with our weaknesses. When you take that bread, it's a reminder that the Son of God, deity, took on human flesh for us. We take the cup. The cup reminds us of his blood that was poured out for us at the cross when those nails pierced his hands and his feet. The crown of thorns, his blood was shed for us. Blood that was a payment for our sins. Blood that, that uh, paid the redemption so that we could be saved. It was that blood that he had, that he shed, that allowed us to have a relationship, that allowed us to simply have fellowship with him. We are justified by his blood. We're redeemed by his blood. We overcome by his blood. And that's why it's important to remember the body broken for us, the blood that was shed for us. Now you think about it, Most of the times when we think about death, we don't think of death as a good thing, do we? Now, the believer, it's a little bit different because we know for the believer that they've gone on to be with the Lord. But a lot of times when people think about death, they think about death like it's an awful thing. It's a a bad thing. And the question is, was Jesus' death, was that good news or bad news? I mean, it is the best news. Even though he was a perfect son of God without sin, he healed people, he helped them, he... uh, uh, he delivered them from demonic bondage. He, he cleansed the leper. He, he gave sight to the blind. He did all these good things. In every way, he was perfect and good and holy, and yet he died. And let me tell you, that death was the best news possible. We commemorate Jesus' death on the cross That's what this was about. That's why Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. He wanted us to memorialize or to commemorate his death on the cross. Because that death, that death was for our sins. That death was what this Bible was all about. Us coming to a relationship with Jesus Christ because he died for us. I mean, when you look at God's word from Genesis to Revelation... You will see Jesus in every book, and you will see his death memorialized in every book. I mean, you can go back to Genesis chapter 3, and what do you see? You see the fall of man, and immediately you see after that Jesus making uh, two coats of skin for Adam and Eve. Remember they were dressing the fig leaf design work? Didn't really go off well, so he made them coats of skin. But think about this. Adam and Eve had to look at, for the first time, death. For the first time they saw for the first time they saw two animals die so that their sins could be covered. We see this throughout history as Cain and Abel gave sacrifice. Abel gave a sacrifice of a sheep, of blood, and his was accepted. Abraham was sacrificing Isaac on the mount when he was stopped, and a substitute was given for Isaac, a lamb that he could sacrifice. At the Passover, we see Uh, the lamb that was sacrificed, the blood applied so that death would not overcome the Jews at that time. All through the rest of Israel's history, they gave sacrifices. And why? They were looking for the coming perfect sacrifice. The perfect one. One day, John the Baptist says these words when he sees Jesus Christ. 
Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He could have said, Behold, the King of kings. He could have said, Behold, the Lord of lords. Behold, the holiest of holy ones. He could have said all those things. He did not. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Because that is That is crucial for us. That is crucial for you. That Jesus die as the perfect sacrifice for your sins so that you can have forgiveness. Scripture says that it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That was impossible. However, the truth is that according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood. And get this, without the shedding of blood, There is no forgiveness of sins. See, your forgiveness, your eternal life hinges upon the fact that a perfect sacrifice was given for you, and that perfect sacrifice was Jesus Christ. Then in Ephesians it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We have redemption, we have forgiveness. Because Jesus took on flesh and blood, and he died for us, and we commemorate, we memorialize that this morning. The second thing we see is it's a proclamation. It's a proclamation, kind of like Independence Day. You know, what's a proclamation we have on Independence Day? In fact, we have a, what's called a declaration or a proclamation of independence, and that's what we celebrate on the 4th of July, Independence Day, that we are not any longer in servitude or bondage to Great Britain, that we are independent from them. But the Lord's Supper is also a proclamation. Look at 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26. It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. We are proclaiming his death. We are proclaiming our faith in the efficacy of the Lord's death. That's just a fancy word, by the way, efficacy for effectiveness that it accomplishes what he called it to do, that we are not ashamed. We're not ashamed of the gospel. So we understand that the good news, the gospel, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, we're not ashamed. And we proclaim it, that the Lord's death is meaningful to us. And we look back at that time, not, not just as a as a. As a uh, theoretical or even a theological event, but a personal event. We look back to that time and say, yes, that death, that gospel was meaningful for me. I can go back to November 15th, 1978, when the blood was applied to my life, when my sins were forgiven and I was born again. And I proclaim That Jesus' death and resurrection saved me. I am saved for all eternity. I have eternal life, not just in a little while, but I have eternal life right now. And I am saved. And when I take the Lord's Supper, it is a proclamation that I believe that with all my heart. For us to take the Lord's Supper obediently, we must be sure of our salvation. We should have nailed it down. I am saved, saved, saved. But it's not just a proclamation of our Lord's death, but it's also a proclamation of our faith in the Lord's return. Because if you look at that scripture again, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, what? 
until he comes. While we celebrate the Lord's death, listen, we don't believe for one moment that he's still dead. No, we believe that three days later, he rose from the dead. Not only did he conquer sin, but he conquered death. Jesus is our hero. He appeared to many of the believers after that. And then 40 days later, he ascended up into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God Almighty. And that one day, and I think it's very soon, the clouds are going to part. And Jesus is going to appear. And we will raise up from here and we will be with him forever. And Jesus will come to this earth, not as a little baby, but as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And he will rule and reign forever. And as believers, we will rule and reign with him also. When we take the Lord's Supper, we are proclaiming that we are of a kingdom, not of this world, but of his world. And that we are citizens of that kingdom. We proclaim that, but it's not just only a proclamation, but also it is communion. I kind of think of this kind of like a family reunion, you know? Because when we talk about the Lord's Supper as a communion, it's like, you know, we're all coming together like family. Like fam- we are family. Did you know that? And uh, so when we look, it's kind of like when you have a family reunion. I only had family reunions on my mom's side. I never had them on my dad's side. My dad said, I didn't want to reunite with the members of his family. He said, plus I could never get on parole all at the same time anyway. So, but the fact is I can remember having those family reunions. And, and you probably remember when you were a kid, you remember the grandmas. I said, the, like they had these huge wet lips, you know, that just sucked your cheeks in. And, but, you know, you had a lot of fun. It was good. It was just good being around family. Well, in many ways, the Lord's Supper, it's like family coming together, communion. Um, The truth is that we're going to be with each other forever, forever. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, 17. It says, is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body... For we all partake of the one bread. That one bread is Jesus Christ. So we see here that we have a, a fellowship, a sharing with each, with each other. We are one body. We partake of one bread. We are family. First John says, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, get this, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's why when we take the Lord's Supper, we need to come together. We all need to come together together. As family. Uh, Now, we're all different, but I have to tell you, I love coming to church on Sunday. I do. I love being around family. I love when we have, like Thanksgiving, we had all the family at my house. I don't know about you. I just love that. Absolutely love it. I love having family around me, but I love Sunday morning. I don't want to miss church. I don't want to miss it because you're here. I want to see you. You're my brother. You're my sister in Christ. And we take the Lord's Supper. We do it together as a family. But it's not just a sharing with each other. It's a fellowship or sharing with Christ as well. Here's the thing is that Christ is present with us when we take the Lord's Supper. It's interesting. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus says this. And most of the times when we read these words, we, 
we think of lost people, but Jesus was actually speaking these words to believers, believers in the church of Laodicea. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. It's interesting that Jesus was saying, I want to fellowship with you. You know, in that uh, uh, Eastern hospitality, it was always the meal was where they had the fellowship. And that's why Jesus used those words, I will come into you and dine with you. It was always that hospitality of that meal. He, he didn't want to shake your hand and say, hey, how you doing? He wants to sit down with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. In Hebrews chapter 9, it says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place. Now, the holy place, you have to understand, um, is that holy of holies where only one person could go in the temple. It was in the temple. The holy of holies, the Ark of Covenant was there. And only one person could go in there once a year. That was the high priest. No one else could go in there. But look what's happened. It says, brethren, since we have confidence, you and I have confidence to enter the holy place, the holy of holies, guys, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Because he shed his blood, because his body was broken, we can actually now have access. We can actually go into the holy of holies. We can actually have sweet, intimate fellowship with Jesus Christ. The important thing I want you to understand that when we take the Lord's Supper, we're all here together, sharing it together. But he is also here. He is here right now. And he is here with us as we take the Lord's Supper. That's his promise to us. So how should we partake of the Lord's Supper then? Understanding that it's a memorial, uh, that it's also a proclamation and it's communion. How should we take it? Well, the first thing we see is with reverence. Uh, look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, 29. It says, therefore, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. The first thing we say, see there is that uh, it says, in a worthy manner. Now, this, I want you to understand, this does not mean that you are worthy. Because none of us are really worthy in and of ourselves to partake of the Lord's Supper. We have to be made worthy. We have to be made righteous. We have to have placed on us, in fact, the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then we are can take the Lord's Supper worthily. The second thing, we need to take it with an understanding of the seriousness of this observance. The words they use there in these scriptures that one will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord, like the crowd at the cross who didn't care about his sacrifice, who didn't care uh, about the anguish that he was going through. It says one could eat, will eat and drink judgment to himself. I want you to understand that you should not take the observance of the Lord's Supper lightly because God does not take the observance of the Lord's Supper lightly. He only gave us really two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And for the Lord, this is important. And it should be very important for each and every one of us as we think about, remember, 
the Lord's death. But it also should be done with thanksgiving, with appreciation for the supreme price that Jesus paid for our sins. I mean, we read the Gospels and we hear what he went through for us. It should make us thankful. The scourging that he received, the crown of thorns, the nail-pierced hands, the nail-pierced feet, the spear in the side, all of that for you. He paid the supreme price, but not just the physical anguish, but there was a spiritual anguish. When Jesus was on the cross and the sins of the world, our sins, your sins, were laid upon him, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That should have been our cry, but it became his cry as our sins were placed upon him. It was a physical suffering, but it was also a spiritual suffering, which should make us thankful for a Savior who loved us so much. In fact, we should have appreciation and thankfulness for the love that Jesus manifested to us. I mean, it's a crazy kind of love that he would love us that much. Jesus said, greater love has no man than he would lay down his life for another. Jesus loves you infinitely. But what's even more incredible is the love of God the Father. Look at Isaiah 53.10. This is incredible when you see this. It said, but the Lord was pleased to crush him. This is the Messiah. This is Jesus Christ. God the Father, the Lord, was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hands. Why would God be pleased to crush his own son, to put him through that physical suffering? Why? Because it was only through that suffering that God could have a relationship with you. Without that suffering, without that sacrifice, there was no possibility for a relationship with you. That's how much he loved you. Look at these words about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12. This is fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the, now get this, stay with me here, who for the joy set before him. You got that? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, what could that joy be that was so tremendous that Jesus would endure the cross? Well, just inferred in that scripture is that there was something before the cross that Jesus didn't have that after the cross he had. And the only thing that he didn't have before the cross that he did have after the cross was a relationship with you. We should come to this time of the Lord's Supper with such thankfulness because Jesus had so much joy, get this, had so much joy in the fact that he could now have fellowship, that he could have a relationship with you. That he endured the cross because he loved you that much. So we come to this time with reverence, with thanksgiving, but also with self-examination. 
Look at 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. 28. It says, but, let a man, but a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. It's important that our hearts are prepared before we take the Lord's Supper. I mean, when we come to this time, we can't come lightly. This is not just simply a religious tradition that we do from time to time. This is an important, an important time. And we need to come with our hearts ready. We need to come clean. Now, I don't know how some of you came to church this morning. Uh, You may have come. Uh, rushing. You may have come. Maybe you said some things like, honey, hurry up. Or maybe you said in such a way like, honey, get your old badonkey donk out here right now. I don't know. But if you did, you may not be ready, right? We need to be able to come clean. Now, that doesn't mean sinless. That doesn't mean sinless. But the thing is, it's so wonderful is that we can come to Jesus Christ And ask forgiveness. You know he forgives you. He forgives you of every sin. Look at this scripture. This is one I've memorized. I think it would be a good one for you to memorize if you haven't. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. So right there we see he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. If we confess our sins, he'll do that. But it goes even beyond that. He says he'll forgive us and to cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. Now let me ask you, if you are cleansed from all unrighteousness, who do you look like? You look like Jesus Christ, don't you? And then you can come to this table in a worthy manner. Before we partake of the Lord's Supper, I really want to speak to two groups of people. First, those of you who have not been born again, who are not saved, or maybe you're just not sure. And this morning, you need to nail that down. You may have never truly surrendered your life to Christ with the result that you've actually experienced a changed life. You've actually experienced wonderful fellowship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're not sure, but you say, this morning, I'm ready to nail it down. I want to nail this down once and for all. If it's your desire this morning to confess Jesus as Lord and to come to him for forgiveness and for salvation, then I want you to join me in a prayer right now as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If this is something you feel like you need to do, pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, I I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Lord, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that he rose again on the third day. And at this very moment, I turn away from all my sins and I turn completely to Jesus Christ. I want to follow you all the days of my life. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's a second group of people I want to speak to now. Those who are maybe unprepared for the Lord's Supper. 
Uh, it could be that you had a bad experience getting to church this morning. Maybe there's unforgiveness in your heart. Maybe there's just simply unconfessed sin in your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you simply to pray silently. I want to give you just a short time to ask God to forgive you, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Then after a little short time of that, I will lead us in a prayer. Well, Father, we thank you for the blood of Christ. We thank you for the payment for our sins, that we can come to you now and we can have all our sins forgiven. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your cleansing that washes away every sin and places the righteousness of Christ upon us. Help us, Lord, now to come before the Lord's table this morning in a worthy manner. Oh, Lord, may we truly sense your presence here this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the the bread and the juice have been prepared. And now your heart should be prepared. And as we come to this time, we're ready to remember the Lord's sacrifice. We're joyful that we're able to this morning to commune with him and we're eager to proclaim the gospel and his soon return. The gospel of Matthew says, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. sacred head now wounded with grief and shame weighed down now scornfully surrounded with thorns thine only crown how pale thou Savior, tis I did. 
tell you, let your mind go back to almost 2,000 years ago. The Son of God took on flesh, allowed his body to be broken for us. He allowed men to beat him, to scourge him, to crucify him. Because he loved you. Jesus said to his disciples, Take, eat, this is my body. With reverence and thanksgiving, take and eat this bread that represents the body of the sinless Son of God who gave that for you. Heavenly Father, we come to you now thanking you for taking on flesh, for leaving the glories of heaven and coming to this sin-filled world, living the perfect life and giving yourself so completely for us. As we take this bread, we remember. We remember your perfect love, 
your perfect sacrifice. And we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Scripture says in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. He gave thanks and he gave it to them.
Let us remember the price of our forgiveness. You wonder how valuable your soul is to God? You only need to look at his shed blood that ran down that rugged cross so that he could have eternal relationship with you. Take and drink. Father, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for the sacrifice. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness and the redemption that was bought at the cost of the shed blood of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we worship you. We thank you. And we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.